It's the dictionary. Dictionary. It's the dictionary. It's the dictionary. Dictionary. It's the dictionary. Dictionary. Wow! 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 Hello, word nerds. I was just doing a little vocal exercises. You caught me in the middle of that. Hello, word nerds. I am your host, Spencer, bringing you the dictionary. This is the podcast where I read the dictionary, and then I talk about this stuff, and it's always just the best fun time ever in all of the history of the land of words. The first word that we are coming across on this word journey today is dugout. D-U-G-O-U-T. Noun from 1819. One, a boat made by hollowing out a large log. It's called a dugout because they literally have dug out the wood from the log. It's just, it's a very clever name. Hmm. Who uses this kind of boat? Who makes this kind of boat? I mean, I know the, uh, the, uh, the, the Native Americans, the American Indians, uh, they, they would make canoes they would dig out the canoe, the you know, the carve a carve a canoe out of a log, but there must be other ones. You just you just take a log. If you got the right tools, just start spooning out the wood, make some wood milk from it, and you got a dugout boat. Two uh, a, a shelter dug in a hillside. Also, a shelter dug in the ground and roofed with sod. Yep, it's all about digging out a thing, dirt in this case, dirt and maybe rocks, and then uh, you, you get to live in a little hillside. To be an area in the side of a trench for quarters, storage, or protection. So is this the kind of trench that you see maybe World War One, World War Two? First of all, the trench has been dug out, so the trench is a dugout, but then... If you're going to be staying there a while and you uh, you want to sleep there, you want to store some things, maybe some clothes, some food, uh, cigarettes, a journal, something else, then you're going to like dig out a little section of the trench and just put your stuff in there, sleep in there. Number three, either of two low shelters on either side of either side of and facing a baseball diamond that contain the players' benches. Um, it's, uh, it's the dugout. I mean, yes, it's, it's, it's dug into the ground. It's lowered down, and so that's why it's called a dugout. Maybe, um, you know, maybe like 300 years ago when they were pay- playing baseball and they were digging into the hillside, the, the players would uh, hang out in the hillside or some sort of trench when they were waiting to play. Uh, let's see. That I don't know. I don't know. The dugout. It's the place where the baseball players hang out. I've never been there. It's fun to. Um, sometimes you see some funny clips online of the their, the little the antics that they get into. I don't know where we're going with this. We need to make a sound effect, and it's going to be another spot on sound effect. A duh. Okay, the next word is literally duh, D-U-H. And the, the etymology says that uh, this is usually pronounced with a prolonged uh, duh. 
instead of just duh. Nobody says duh. You gotta say duh. Duh. It's an interjection from 1966. It is our only D-U-H word. Number one, this one, in this context, it is used to express actual or feigned ignorance or stupidity. Where you're pretending to be ignorant or stupid or you are actually ignorant or stupid and you're like, oh, I mean, uh, how many times has Spencer had to say something like this because of his actual stupidity? Oh, my God, I can't believe I did that thing. Oh, my God, Oh, duh. How could Spencer be so stupid? Number two, in this context, it is used derisively to indicate that something just stated is all too obvious or self-evident. Yes, the world is round. Duh! We all know this. Some people don't know it. They don't want to believe it. Duh! This podcast is going to take Spencer forever to get through. Okay, yes, it's a good word. It's a good word um, when you want to say, when you. I guess if you want to be a little mean to somebody, they say something and it's like overly obvious. Yeah, duh, dude, duh. You got to prolong that, uh, duh. Next is D-U-I. This one is all caps and it is a noun from 1969. One, the act or crime of driving while affected by alcohol or drugs, as in was arrested for DUI. Was arrested for, what does it stand for? Driving under the influence, D-U-I. We just ignore the word the in there altogether. Was arrested for driving under the influence. Uh, That is the act of doing it, and you can receive a DUI, so uh, maybe that's going to be mentioned here. Number two, a person who is arrested for or convicted of driving under the influence. So the person is a DUI. Oh, we got it. We got a DUI here because they did a DUI. They uh, they now have a DUI, and uh, that's that's not great. Um, there is another word coming up in um, I don't know, a week and a half or so. Uh, that's uh, uh, similar, similar but different. And that one just sends us to this one, DUI. And then here we go with number three, an arrest or conviction for driving under the influence. The conviction is the DUI. The act is the DUI. The person is the DUI. All the DUI. The DUI did the DUI, and they got a DUI. Duh! When you drive drunk, you are probably going to get a DUI. Duh. Next is Diker. D-U-I. Spelled spelled different than what you might think. D-U-I-K-E-R. Noun from 1777. Any of several small African antelopes comprising two genera. And those genera are Cephalophus. That's one of them. It starts with a C. Cephalophus. There is two instances of PH in there. And then the other one is Silvicapra. Silvicapra. Huh. So uh, I don't know enough about 
these things. So they split, I guess, and evolutionarily, they split at some point to make these two genera, but they're similar enough that they're still both called dikers. And I think we need to post a picture of this diker on social media. Go to at DictionaryPod on Instagram and Twitter. D-U-I-K-E-R. And the etymology says this is an Afrikaans word, which literally means diver, maybe diving into the water. It's from dike, which means to dive, from Middle Dutch duken, which is akin to the Old High German tuhan, which means to dive, and there's more at the word duck. So these, uh, these small African antelopes are related the name is related etymologically to duck. Diker and duck. Do these antelopes go dive in the water? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Words? Hmm. Maybe we need to put some information in the show notes about these dikers also. Duh! Go check the show notes. The next word is... Now, maybe you would say doit or doit. I don't know. It doesn't give me pronunciation. It's spelled D-U-I-T, and it is a variation of doit, D-O-I-T. Duh. Here is our only D-U-J word, although it is technically two words. The first word is du, and the second word is jour. You can pronounce that a few ways. De jour, de jour, de jour various ways. You could say du or de. It's an adjective from 1786. One, made for a particular day. And this one is used of an item not specified on the regular menu, as in soup de jour. This soup, this soup is only for this day. Just Monday is the day that you're getting this soup. Not any of the other days. We made it very special for this day. So if you want this soup, you got to come in on the day that we have it. Number two, popular, fashionable, or prominent at a particular time, as in the buzzword du jour. Well, the buzzword in today's episode, the buzzword du jour of this podcast is duh. But sorry, I said it too early. We're not moving on to the next word yet. I'm sorry to have freaked you out there. Uh, Quickly, quickly, we must say the etymology. This is French, and it literally means of the day. Jour, I guess, is the day, and de is of. Of the day. This episode, these are the words of the day. This is, these are the words du jour today on the podcast called The Dictionary. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Bob's Burgers. Every episode, every day that Bob is working in his restaurant, he has a burger du jour. The burger of the day. It does, They should, maybe they should do that. Maybe it should say on his little chalkboard there, burger du jour. And every single time... It's a play on words. He's got some interesting ingredients, and it's like it's like some sort of pun or something using those ingredients in the name. And I'm sure I'm sure I can find a collection of all of them somewhere on the webby places, the webs, the internets. Uh, and if you haven't watched Bob's Burgers, you got to watch Bob's Burgers. It's fantastic. At the very least, 
you can enjoy the burger du jour. Duh. Next is D-U... No. It's Duke. I was just going to say, it is the beginning of the D-U-K section, which is also very short. We're getting through a lot of letters here today. Duke or Duke. First form, noun from the 12th century. If you have listened to some of the recent episodes, you will already know the etymology for this one. Number one, it is a sovereign male ruler of a continental European, who is it, duchy? I think that's, I think that's how you pronounce this word. Duchy, yes, duchy. A European duchy ruled by a sovereign male, a sovereign male ruler. Uh, and, you know, we've heard that, um, you know, we had the word duchess, so a duchess would be the, the wife of the male ruler, but I think we also saw something about that the, a duchess can also be a duke. Um, where is duchess? Here we go. It's the wife or widow of a duke or the woman who holds the rank of a duke. So the duke could be a woman, but they still call him a duchess because, you know, we need separate words for whatever stupid reason. Number two, a nobleman of the highest hereditary rank, especially a member of the highest grade of the British peerage. Ooh, the highest grade. Oh, you are such a, such a duke. Such a duke. You, you've, you've really made it when you become a duke. Three. Uh, this one is slang, and it has its own etymology. The synonyms are fist and hand. And it's usually used in plural. So you'd say dukes. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, I've heard that. Well, let's talk about that etymology first. Uh, This is probably from the phrase Dukes of York. And in this context, it's rhyming rhyming slang. This would be British. uh, Rhyming slang for the word fork, which somehow is hand or fist? Wait a minute. The Dukes of York, the fork, hand, fist, what? (laughs) Wait, I need some more context, I think. You put a fork in your hand or your fist, I guess. So wait, what's the part? The Dukes of York? Is it the Forks of York? Is that what we're saying here? Maybe is you, you switch it you switch it out for that? Oh, why does my brain not uh, want to handle this one? I don't know. But anyway, yeah, it's your Dukes. Put up your Dukes. Hey, let's fight. Let's Duke, duke it out. We'll talk about that in the next one. D- get the Dukes up in front of your face so you can punch somebody or, or block a punch coming in. Hmm. I never knew where that one came from. Okay, what's the etymology for the other one? We already know it. Uh, it is from the Latin ducere, which means to lead. And there's more at the word tow, or tau tow, T-O-W. Duh. Next is the second form of duke. This is the verb form, intransitive verb, from circa 1947. The synonym is just fight. Come on, fight. Duke. There is a phrase, duke it out, and that is to engage in a fight and especially a fist fight. I don't know if we needed the phrase to be mentioned here. I mean, I think, I don't know. I guess that's fine. Duke it out. Uh, Last night we watched a movie, which I will mention maybe in a few episodes from now. Um, We watched a movie and there were some people who had to fight at the end of the day. It was a very weird situation. Um, 
So they were duking. They were duking for their tips. Duh. Next is Dukabor. Capital D-U-K-H-O-B-O-R. This is a variation of Dukabor, which um, I think the only difference in spelling is it is uh, D-O-U-K instead of D-U-K. And, uh, of course, Dukabor, we talked about that um, in the donut episode with Oscar. That's where uh, Dukabor came up. Da, 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 da. Next is Dulcet, the beginning of the D-U-L section, and that's going to go into tomorrow's episode. Dulcet, D-U-L-C-E-T, adjective from the 14th century. One, sweet to the taste. I like that. I like things that are sweet to the taste. Number two, if it's supposed to be. If it's not supposed to be sweet, and it is, we, we gotta we gotta figure that out. What's going on there? Number two, pleasing to the ear, as in dulcet tones, maybe from a ringy dingy thing. Dulcet, it's very sweet. Three, generally pleasing or agreeable, as in a dulcet smile, or. A dulcet podcast. It This podcast is just generally pleasing or agreeable in general. Maybe not everything, but generally it is. Dulcetly is an adverb. This is from Anglo-French, dues, which means sweet, from Latin dulcis, which is perhaps akin to the Greek glikis, I don't know how to say that word, but it looks fun. G-L-Y-K-Y-S. Glickies. And that means sweet. Oh, it is so sweet. Anything that's dulcet. Make me a dulcet donut. Duh. I don't, I'm not trying to sound like somebody who's dumb. I'm just trying to say the word duh. Dulcify is next. Dulcify. Transitive verb from 1599, one, to make sweet, and two, to make agreeable. The synonym is mollify, M-O-L-L-I-F-Y. I don't know that word. Hmm. What are we making that's sweet? Is it literally some sort of food or drink? Can you please dulcify my iced tea? It's not sweet enough. I need sugar or lemonade in my iced tea. Dulcify my iced tea. Or what are we making something else sweet? Maybe a person. Maybe you have to make yourself sweet so you so people want to talk to you. You gotta you gotta put on a fake a sweet tone, sweet mannerisms. I don't know. I don't know. Dulcify. Dulcify yourself. Dulcify something else. What's what's being made sweet or agreeable? Duh! Dulcimer. D-U-L-C-I-M-E-R. Noun from the 15th century. One, a stringed instrument of trapezoidal shape played with light hammers held in the hands. And I will post a picture on social media for a dulcimer. And maybe we need to put in an audio clip, too. I mean, it's an instrument. We should hear what this sounds like. You've maybe never heard of a dulcimer 
or heard heard it play. I'm not sure if I've heard it play. Maybe I have. I don't remember. Let's hear it together. Number two. This is, uh, what is this? Oh, oh, okay. Uh, it could also be dulcimore in this context for number two. Dulcimer or dulcimore, M-O-R-E. And it is an American folk instrument with three or four strings stretched over an elongated fretted sound box that is held on the lap and played by plucking or strumming. All right, well, maybe we need to post a picture of this one, too. Is it the same as the dulcimer? Is it different? I don't know. I don't remember. I've never heard of a dulcimer. Please, give me more of the dulcimer. Um, And maybe we should put a, I don't know, a link in the show notes that talks about maybe how they're different. Maybe they're completely different. I don't know. Uh, Let's see. Oh, the etymology says this is from the old Italian... Dolcemello, and I don't know if that's how you say that word, but that is from the word dolce, which means sweet. Yup, yup. I guess the dulcimer has a very sweet sound. I'm just going to assume that. Duh, the dulcimer sounds sweet. Dulcinea, uh, well, you could say dulcinea or dulcinea. You can emphasize that syllable if you like. I guess I always thought it was dulcinea, but it's only showing dulcinea or dulcinea. D-U-L-C-I-N-E-A, noun from 1748. The synonyms are mistress and sweetheart. Hmm. I think it's pretty clear of the etymology, but we have actually more specific etymology than you would have imagined uh, it is Spanish from Dulcinea del Toboso, which is the beloved of Don Quixote. That would be from the book, the book Don Quixote. I don't remember the exact name. Was it? Is it The Adventures? The Amazing Crazy Adventures of Don Quixote and his beloved Dulcinea and his, uh, his, his friend, what is his name? Pancho? Pancho Sanza? Sanza? San Pancho? Something like that. Sancho Panza? Sancho? I don't know. I think maybe that's it. Uh, Dulcinea. Dulcinea. Uh, I've heard the name. I've heard of the character. I've never read the book. Uh, I did see that uh, Terry Gilliam movie. That's about all the experience I have with it. There was, we, did, we did have, a, we did have a Don, Don Quicks something. We had some, some related word a while ago. Duh. The last word is dull, D-U-L-L, first form. There is some synonym information for this form, but we are going to save it for tomorrow's episode because, you know, I can't, we can't give it all out today. you got to hold on to something for tomorrow. Dull, adjective, from the 13th century. One, mentally slow. The synonym is stupid. Maybe you got to say duh a lot when you are dull or somebody says it to you if you are dull i don't know it's 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 a it's kind of a mean way to say that somebody maybe doesn't have as much intellectual capabilities as other people but there's other definitions 
to a slow in perception or sensibility. The synonym is insensible, insensible, as in somewhat dull of hearing. I think my hearing and my brain are a bit dull. I think the hearing is dulling, I think I'm losing my hearing, and then it's harder for the brain to process what is being said, what's going on, and uh, you know, my brain is just a little dull anyway, so yep, yep, it's just going to get worse. Three, no, to be lacking zest or vivacity. Vivacity? Vivacity, I think. Lacking the zest and the vivacity. The synonym is listless, as in a dull performance. We don't want no dull performances. We want the performances that are full of zest and vivacity and that are not listless. Maybe they're listful. Is that how you use that word? I don't know. Listful. Maybe. Sure. Why not? Full of list. Three. Slow in action. This synonym is sluggish. Oh, if you didn't get a whole lot of sleep, didn't sleep so good, and the alarm goes off, and you're like, I don't want to get out of bed. I'm just going to be dull this morning. For a lacking in force, intensity, or sharpness, as in a dull ache. Oh, I have a dull ache in my back almost all the time, and I don't know why, and I hope the doctors can figure it out. Uh, yep, I have a dull pain, a dull ache, just just almost constantly. Sometimes it gets worse, though. 4B, not resonant or ringing, as in a dull, booming sound. Boom. It does not ring out. It doesn't go boom, 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 boom. Five, lacking sharpness of edge or point, as in a dull knife. You got to sharpen your knives. You got to, if you got a knife kit, you probably got one of those sharpeners. People, I don't think people use them as much as they should. I, uh, we weren't really sharpening our knives, and I was like, dude, dude, these knives are dull. These, we gotta, we gotta sharpen the knives. Duh, duh, these knives are dull. You don't ever sharpen them. So I've gotten the habit of uh, sharpening our little knives when we're cutting up veggies or something. I, I started sharpening them every once in a while. And oh my God, it changes everything. Who would have ever thought that you could, you could make a knife less dull? Six, lacking brilliance or luster, as in a dull finish. Like a, maybe a matte, a matte painting, a matte photo. It's not shiny or lustery. It doesn't have brilliance. It's dull. Seven is talking about a color. Low in saturation and low in lightness. So it's on the darker side probably, and it's not very uh, brilliant. It doesn't have all that saturation. So, you know, it's just dull. The dull is the opposite of saturated. That's what I say. Number eight, the synonym is cloudy, as in dull weather. Ugh, dull. It's, uh, it, it's, it's gloomy and depressing, but maybe some people like it. Nine synonyms are tedious and uninteresting, as in dull lectures. 
that is not at all how you want your lectures to be described as, oh, the lectures were so dull. That's not at all what we want. No, we want fun, exciting, zestful, listful, vivacious lectures. Right? Right. That's what we want. Hopefully this podcast is not dull. Sometimes it can be. Dullness with one L or two L's, that is a noun, and dully with two L's is an adverb, because if it only had one L, it would be duly, which we are going to see in tomorrow's episode. The etymology is from, uh, let's see, Old English, dull, which means foolish, from Old Irish, dal, which means blind. Blind and foolish. Somehow it became all these ways to use dull. That's interesting. And yes, there will be some synonym information in tomorrow's episode. Okay, we reached the time. That's word of the episode time. Word of the episode time. Word of the episode time. Spencer's going to pick a word, but first he has to read the words. It's word of the episode time. We had dugout, duh, D-U-I, diker, duit, or doit, du jour, duke, duke, Dukabor, Delsit, Delsify, Delsimer, Dulcinea, and Dull. Well, I'm not going to pick DUI, but I have to just emphasize please, 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 please be careful. Don't drink and drive. I, you hear this all the time. You've heard it since you were a child. You probably don't need to hear it anymore, but it doesn't hurt to say it. If you are drinking any sorts of alcohol, any amounts, just be super, super, super careful and maybe just don't hop into a car. You know, you gotta, you gotta know your limits. It's a very dangerous thing to do. Please and thank you. But we're not picking that. Um, because th- that's not the funnest thing to talk about. Instead, we gotta just pick duh as the word of the episode. Right? Right. Duh. It's so obvious, duh, 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 it's so obvious, I can't believe you didn't know it, duh, you're making me say duh, cause it's so obvious, I can't believe you said that. Yeah, I don't know what that was, but it was kind of fun. All right, next word, oh, next movie, I gotta talk about movies, this is what I do sometimes. I'm almost caught up, so I better start watching some more movies. Uh, we watched the very brand new movie, Bo is Afraid. Uh, I think we watched it the second day after it came out. Um, I loved it. I loved it. That's kind of all I want to say. Not everybody loved it. I've already talked to a couple of people who didn't care for it, really. And, uh, ooh, it's, you know, it's very divisive in that way. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it. Uh, maybe I won't feel the same way the next time I watch it, but I probably will. It's very long I didn't think it was scary at all. It's Ari Aster, who's known for making two quite freaky, scary, creepy, nasty, gross horror movies. Uh, And this was a totally different thing. So that's all I'm going to say, I guess. Yeah, I don't want to say too much. I think it's it's a very interesting movie. All right, that is the end of this episode. Thank you very much for listening to me talk about all this stuff. And until next time, this is Spencer dispensing information. Goodbye. Duh.
we are coming back for another season, and we are here to answer the hard-hitting questions like, did Jodorowsky's Dune inspire the modern era of sci-fi? Why did we get two Dune video games from the same company in the same year? What was the real reason Disney dropped the production for Nimona? Is it Kingdom of the Sun or Kingdom in the Sun? Why is Sting so miserable? How many monsters did Godzilla fight? Why do studios in the U.S. think it's okay for them to make Godzilla movies? The Haunted Mansion and the Pirates of the Caribbean ride were supposed to be connected? Is Crimson Peak just a reincarnation of Guillermo del Toro's The Haunted Mansion? Was Willem Dafoe really going to be a villain in Treasure Planet 2? And what, what is, is a Star War? War? This season, we answer all these questions and more in the fourth season of How Did This Not Get Made? Starting June 17th, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.